You are listening to the weekly sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church in Canton, South Dakota. We're a church that strives to make disciples of Jesus Christ who make a difference. To learn more, visit us at cantonsdumc.org. And now, here's Pastor Clay. Our scripture this morning comes to us from the book of Hebrews in chapter 11. I'm mean, going to be reading verses 1 through 3, and I read this morning from the Good News Translation, which is the same translation as your pew Bibles, and so I invite you to page 305 in the New Testament of your pew Bibles to follow along with today's reading. The author of Hebrews says this, To have faith is to be sure of things we hope for, to be certain of things we cannot see. It was by their faith that people in ancient times won God's approval. It is by faith that we understand that the universe was created by God's word, so that what can be seen was made out of what cannot be seen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you. For you, O God, are our rock, and you are our Redeemer, and we give you thanks for who you are, as we say together, Amen. So I want to start off by asking you a question, and the question is this, have you ever had to walk by faith? Have you ever had to walk by faith? And you might recognize that phrase from Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth in chapter 5, verse 7, where it talks about life being a matter of faith and not sight. And that's a profound statement and an easy statement for us to think about as long as we can keep it in the abstract, as long as it's just a concept, because living that is harder. It is hard sometimes to have to walk by faith because that usually means that something has gone off the rails. When I think about my own life and opportunities to walk by faith, I think back to my second funeral that I ever got to do. It was my second funeral, which, by the way, is not the easiest thing in the world to do in the first place. And it, I mean, the, the, the funeral itself, but the fact that it was just the second one that I had done made it infinitely harder. It was for a man named Jerry. And because I was the associate pastor of Brookings First, I had the opportunity to marry two of Jerry's grandkids. I got to baptize his grandson-in-law. I had some of his other grandchildren as campers, and our youth group frequented the bowling alley that he owned and operated. But after a long and hard battle with cancer, Jerry died just after Christmas in 2013, and the family asked for me. Being the associate pastor, I didn't get a whole lot of funerals, uh, but the family had asked for me. And so I was honored and I was touched and I was ready to do my second funeral up until the night before. Because the night before, I was up all night with the stomach flu. It's my second funeral ever and I have never been sicker. And of course, because I'm the associate pastor, I have a senior pastor, so that was my very first phone call. I just called him and I said, look, I can't do this funeral. This is not going to go well. Can you please come and do this funeral? 
He was in Condi, South Dakota with no cell phone service, so I was talking to a voicemail box. There was no help coming. And so after a long and sleepless night, I was off to the church to just try my best. I explained the situation to the funeral and then, or to the family, and then I stepped into the pulpit to lead my second funeral ever. Somehow I made it through. Somehow, by the grace of God, it went okay. Somehow, I did it. This is truly what it meant to me to walk by faith, mainly because I was too sick to see straight. Throughout this past few weeks of this sermon series, we have explored things that are deep and profound. We have broken down deep and theological terms. We have dug through layers of etymology and dug into Greek backgrounds of certain things. And it's so it's my hope that after digging through chewy words like soteriology and theodicy and evangelism, it's my hope that faith, the word that we're going to demystify today, is not too much of a letdown for us. Because after all, there is not much to the word faith. It is one syllable in English. It is only one word in Greek, the Greek word pistis. And there's nothing deep and profound about the word itself. The concept of faith, however, is a little bit harder. The concept of faith is a little bit chewy. It's a little bit tough to live out our faith. And the trickiest part is that faith is a word, word that exists in the world around us. But is it the same thing? In his pocket dictionary of theological terms that we've been using for the past couple of weeks, Stanley Grenz defines faith as a word that reflects both our intellectual belief and our relational trust. And at its heart, there is nothing faith-based about the word faith. We have an intellectual belief and a relational trust in a lot of things. The definition does not narrow down what we mean by when we talk about Christian faith. Because I have an intellectual belief that when I flip on a light switch, it's going to turn on, right? We have a relational trust that when we ask someone to pick us up from the airport, they're going to do it, right? We have an intellectual trust or an intellectual belief and a relational trust. We have faith that a stomach bug is not going to stand in our way of being fully present for something as we intended. The problem is, is that all of the things that I just talked about will fail us. Things that we put our intellectual belief in and things that we invest relational trust in will fail us. Eventually, something electronic is going to break. And so we have to call Lights Electric. It happened to me this week. Eventually, when we ask someone to give us a ride to the airport, they're going to forget. And we are going to have to pivot to plan B. 
And eventually, we're going to wake up some morning having faith that a stomach bug isn't going to, you know, be a problem, but we're going to have to explain something to a family and go home and skip a funeral lunch so that we can curl up under a blanket because our stomach is trying to kill us. Things that we put our faith in have the ability to fail us. And this is the difference between putting our faith in things and putting our faith in God. This is the difference between putting our faith in things and putting our faith in God. This difference is the reason why the author of the book of Hebrews writes our scripture for this morning. The book of Hebrews is either an epistle like most of the rest of the back half of the New Testament, or it is an extended sermon to the early church after the fall of Jerusalem. But either way, the author of the book of Hebrews is writing to a people that have had their world shift. And so the author of the book of Hebrews is concerned that young Christians might start putting their faith in the wrong place rather than rightly keeping their faith in Jesus. Which is why Hebrews 1 to chapter 10 is just a strong defense of who Jesus is and the role that Jesus plays in our lives before he begins to talk about faith. And so the author of the book of Hebrews uh, explains what faith is and explains why it's important to hold on to faith in the middle of difficult circumstances. The author of the book of Hebrews says that the faith that we put in God that is inspired by the person of of Jesus and enlivened by the Holy Spirit is a faith that enables us to be sure of the things that we hope for and certain of the things that we cannot see. This is what our faith in God comes to. We are sure of the things that we hope for, and we are certain of the things that we cannot see. Which begs us to ask the question, what is the early church hoping for? And what is it that they cannot see? Why does the author of Hebrews describe faith in this way? And as the church is facing persecution, part of the answer has to be that they cannot see how it can be that their circumstance is going to improve and why they made this change in the first place. Because they completely changed their life based on the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the promise of eternal life. And what happened next? Their world fell apart. So why should they stay faithful to God, to this big change that they have made, if God is not going to see it through? And the answer, of course, is that's faith. It's faith. Faith, according to the author of Hebrews, is what gives the early church the conviction that the future is going to be as God intended it. It is faith in God's promises that enables the church to be faithful and to even envision this unknown, unrealized time that we call the future. 
And if that was true for the early church, isn't that still true for us? Because sometimes life makes us ask the same question. We give our lives to Jesus with the promise of the Holy Spirit. We give our lives to Jesus, and then our world falls apart. What do we do with that? The author of the book of Hebrews helps the early church and helps us see the long-term faithfulness of God. And it is his hope, and it's my hope, that God's long-term faithfulness inspires them and inspires us to respond with similar faithfulness. Faithfulness leads to a certainty that God will do what God has said God will do. Faith leads us to a certainly certainty that God that what God said will come to be will come to be. Despite the evidence to the contrary that's around us. But because God was faithful, we believe that God will continue to be faithful. And so we can pledge our intellectual belief and we can pledge our relational trust to God, knowing that we will not be made fools of because of it. Faith is what allows us to believe and to hope and to trust and to even understand. Faith is what helps us understand when we don't understand. Faith helps us understand when we don't understand what life is doing and when we don't understand what God is doing. It's my hope over the past couple of weeks that we have grown in our understanding of who God is and how God works by demystifying these words of our faith. It's my hope that we've increased our knowledge and in increasing our knowledge that we have solidified our solid ground upon which we build our lives. It's my hope that what we've learned over the past couple of weeks as we have dug in and done this hard work, that it has allowed our anchor of faith to hold a little bit tighter in the midst of storms. But yet, life will still invite us to ask the same question as the early church. What is it that we cannot see? And what is it that we are hoping for? What is it that we cannot see? And what is it that we are hoping for? How is it that we can walk by faith? I think back to Jerry's funeral quite a bit. And what I could not see on that day was any kind of way forward. And what I was hoping for was a hope that was not going to come in the way that I wanted it to. The only thing that got me through that day was a very understanding family and the literal grace of God. What got me through that day was my faith that God could get me through even that. Every step I took, every word I said, every breath I took was by faith that day. I was not sure I was going to make it through that day, by the way. I can't remember how I did. 
but I know that it was by grace. Not by my own power, not by my own doing, but by faith. God was faithful then, and I believe that we will see God do something like that again. And I believe that you'll see it too, as long as we live by faith. Faith is having certainty in the things that we hope for and confidence in what we cannot see. Would you pray with me? Holy God, we give you thanks for the way in our lives that you've been faithful. We give you thanks for the ways that uh, we've learned about your faithfulness through your word, through the testimony of scripture, through friends and mentors and even beloved strangers that are willing to share their story with us. God, you are faithful and you are good. And as we go through things in life that don't make sense to us, increase our faith. Enable us to stand and empower us to walk forward. Not by our own strength, not by our own cunning, not by our own anything, but by you. For you are good. In your name we pray. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church. Join us in person or online at 10 o'clock every Sunday morning for worship. And now go in peace and serve the Lord. I want to encourage you after the message to head over to our YouTube channel and click the subscribe button. Over on YouTube, you will find videos of our entire worship service, a video cast of our weekly Cut for Time conversation with Pastor Clay and Eric, songs from our praise band One Way Up, and a bunch of other great things as well. Just search for Canton United Methodist Church. It would mean a lot to have you subscribe.